your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Friday evening episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow these shows Twitter at LL underscore Penguins. Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. You can download the app and join me next week. I'm not really sure what day I'm going to be doing yet to get in on the action. Locker Room changing the way we talk sports. So we're wrapping up this week of the podcast with another big win for the Penguins. That is their second in a row after dropping two straight against the Rangers and the Bruins. They win tonight in a wild one against the Devils, 6-4. to four. That is the highest scoring game against New Jersey thus far this season. You know, usually you, you see Lindy Ruff teams kind of play those little 2-1, 3-2, sometimes even one nothing kind of games. But, you know, tonight was anything but that. Um, that being said, we probably could have seen five more goals in this game if it weren't for Mackenzie Blackwood and Casey DeSmith making some Unreal saves. I'm going to get to Casey to Smith's ridiculous stick save later on in the episode. But, you know, this was a big win for Pittsburgh. It gets them to two points now out of first place. They are now um, still in third place. I think, the, of course, the Islanders lost tonight to the Rangers 4-1. to one. The Capitals ended up beating the Sabres 4-3. to three. So those two teams are tied at the top of the East. And then, like I said, the Penguins um, just two points behind them um, going into their next matchup, will be, which will be on Sunday against the Devils. But overall, I liked the Penguins game tonight even though some of the underlying numbers weren't super pretty. I mean, they only controlled 40, close to 45% of the shot attempts at 5v5. If you go to all situations, it gets a little bit better, 46%. They did lead in high danger, 10 to 8 at all situations. Um, their expected goals, all situations, was pretty good. 3.67 compared to 2.77 for the Devils um, at 5v5, though. Um, the Devils led the way in expected goals for 2.21 compared to 1.85 for the Penguins. So a little bit of luck was on their side tonight but also um, the Devils were a bit of lucky with a couple of their goals. I mean, Crystal Tang, kind of a bad, well, just a bad situation, I guess. I mean, he was playing that perfectly. He had the right read, but, you know, the puck just deflects off his skate and pass Casey to Smith. And then Brian Dumoulin literally shot it on net onto Smith, and it just goes right in to make it 5-4, to four, which, you know, scared me and a lot of other Penguins fans watching the game just because, you know, the Devils came really close to tying it. I think 30 to 45 seconds later, I think Ty Smith had a shot from the point that skittered just wide of the far post. So yeah, we were kind of lucky that this game did not end up going to overtime. If you look at scoring chances for the Devils led 22 to 18 at 5v5 all situations, it was 29-27 for New Jersey. So New Jersey probably carried um, the play a bit more than Pittsburgh tonight. But overall, you know, you take these wins when you can get them, especially when, you know, you still have, f- what, four forwards out due to injury. Teddy Bluger still did not return tonight. We'll see if he comes back on Sunday against New Jersey. You know, I'm honestly going to stop talking about Teddy Bluger with his return because I think I've promised everyone on this podcast that he's going to come back um, twice now, and I've been old takes exposed or cold takes exposed basically every time. So I am done talking about that until he actually decides um, to come back and that he is cleared from injury. So, but, you know, I guess all I'll say is on that is that hopefully it is soon. But, you know, getting back to the overall game and the goals, great to see Brian Russ notch a couple tonight, especially on the power play. He let that rip um, from the right circle, just a gorgeous eye. I honestly did not think that it went in at first. I thought it just hit the uh, far post and went out. But, you know, I think he went bar down 
And then it just basically clanked right out. So, so that was awesome. Jared McCann again on the power play. The Penguins power play actually had two goals tonight. And I think it's gone up now past 15th in the league. I saw someone tweet out that I think it's now 14th overall in the league. It wouldn't surprise me if it's now maybe 12th or 11th. So, you know, the Penguins power play, which was um, pretty bad to start the year, starting to round into form again. And it's better than league average right now. So that is huge. You know, Adam Gretz always said it on Penguins Twitter throughout this season. You can have a good power play about a bad penalty kill, but you cannot have a bad power play and a bad penalty kill. That does not exist and you will not win um, a Stanley Cup championship if both of your special teams units are, are bad. You can have the best goaltending in the world. You can have the best 5v5 numbers in the world, but if your special teams are total trash, um, you are not going to win anything and I will, and I will stand by that take of his as well. Also, great to see some of the not-so-good players getting on the score sheet, such as Colton Sevier. This was his third goal of the season. I think this was his first goal in six, seven weeks. I honestly don't even remember the last time he scored. I think it might have been against the Washington Capitals. I think, honestly, prior to this game, I think both of his goals this year were against Washington. Don't quote me on that. I know one of them was, but I think the other one was as well. And I think that happened, that last happened back in February or something like that. So it had been quite a while since Colton Seaver scored, but still good to see him on the score sheet. Jankowski as well gets on the score sheet, but not with a goal. I mean, if you look at 404 response codes, Twitter account, um, CK had a very interesting stat, um, during the game, Jankowski's tied for the team lead now with Gensel and Rodriguez with six 5v5 points since Malkin went down with his injury about a month ago. Um, again, stuff that I didn't think we would be saying in the year 2021, but the fact that he has six 5v5 points since Gino went down and that's tied with Gensel, um, pretty wild. So, you know, it, it is good to see him contributing more to the score sheet. I know he didn't score tonight, but I honestly didn't think he was that bad. Zohorna, I thought was good again. And yes, Sidney Crosby did get back on the score sheet after a couple really down games from him, well below average um, that you normally see from Sidney Crosby. I thought tonight overall was a really good game from him, and he had that wicked shot past Blackwood to make it 5-2 and almost basically have the game out of reach. But what a feed that was from Jake Gensel, and I'm going to continue to say it. This is the Jake Gensel is the best winger Sidney Crosby has ever played with. I know people will say, well, you know Marion Hossa, Marion Hossa. I mean, Hossa was with him for... 2025 games. I mean, Gensel's been with him now since 2016, 2017. So it really is not a contest, at least for me. I know you're still probably going to have some people that think that Gensel is a product of Crosby. Don't listen to those people. He is a hell of a player on his own right. And honestly, if he hit the open market right now, Gensel would probably command seven to seven and a half million per. And I don't even think that's a stretch to say. I mean, he makes what, five and a half, six million per right now. I believe it's, um, yeah, just looked it up. It is $6 million per until, um, I'm just going to look to see when this um, contract goes. I think it goes until, um, so 2023-2024. So they still have a ways to go with this contract. That, I mean, that's a flat-out steal for what he does on a nightly basis. Like I said, if he hit free agency right now, he'd be commanding $7.5 million per with how good he is. The vision that he has, the fact that he's also a top-five pure goal scorer in the league, he is just... Absolutely everything Crosby needs and more. And what a feed that was. It was just completely nasty. 
And yes, we cannot forget about Brian Dumoulin getting on the score sheet for the second time in three games. You usually know when it's a big game, Brian Dumoulin comes out and scores. Tonight was a pretty big one for the Penguins just because of how they've struggled against the Devils this year. And honestly, how they've struggled against the Devils ever since Mike Sullivan was hired. Just for whatever reason, it's kind of maddening how this team always struggles against New Jersey, especially in Newark. That building has not ever been kind, I don't think, to the Penguins. But tonight they were able to take care of business and they've actually gone... 2-1 and one in Newark thus far this season. And like I said, their final game in Newark will be on Sunday. So they'll try to make it 3-1 and one after that game before coming home and playing the Philadelphia Flyers. I think that game is on Thursday. And I think I basically touched on all the goal scorers in this game. You know, Brian Russ had the empty netter to seal it at the end with the 6-4 victory. He honestly could have had a hat trick. I think he had a couple really good chances earlier in the game as well. Jared McCann, I mean, he could have had a hat trick tonight as well. He is playing some lights-out hockey right now. And I really don't think you can take him off the top power play even when... Evgeny Malkin comes back. I mean, obviously, Malkin is going to come back and play on the top power play. I mean, why wouldn't he? But I think at this rate, you have to go Crosby, Malkin, Latang, Gensel, and McCann because McCann has single-handedly put the Penguins' power play above league average ever since Gino has gone out. And is that a coincidence? I don't think so because McCann has a hell of a shot. And even his playmaking ability on the power play is so good, especially around the front of the net. And even when he's away from the net, he can just burn every goalie that he faces with his wicked shot. I mean, he, like I've been saying, he has probably a top three shot on this team. He wasn't utilizing it enough prior to the season, but now you can really see him doing that basically game after game right now, and it's really a sight for sore eyes. So he was able to get his 11th goal of the season, his 19th point in 28 games. So he's honestly almost hovering around a point-per-game place as well this season for Pittsburgh. I know taking Brian Rust off the top power play wouldn't be I guess, received well by some fans in the Penguins fan base, but I honestly don't think it would matter that much because of how McCann is playing right now on the unit. I really think you have to keep him on there, even when Gino comes back. And then for your second unit, you can just run Kasperi Kapanen when he's back, Brian Rust, John Marino, Jason Zucker, and Mike Matheson, and that's a pretty damn good second power play unit that this team can throw out there as well. That's probably one of the better second units in the league, if I'm being honest with you all. So I think that's what I would do if I were Mike Sullivan when everyone comes back and then you can have the top power play unit basically stay the same except McCann is on for Ross. But that'll do it for this segment. Coming up in the next segment, we have a lot more to talk about with this game and moving forward. But before we do get to that, it's time to talk about Bet Online. It's the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV. You get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up for. You can head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit at BetOnline.ag. That's BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts with the promo code LOCKEDON. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow these shows Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So a couple other things to take away, I think, from this game. The Penguins PK, again, struggling a bit too much. I mean, there was a, a, a power play that the Devils had, and they were just in the zone for the entire two minutes. I don't even think the Penguins 
um, touch the puck at all. The Devils, it was a total power play clinic from them. And just goes to show how far away the penalty kill still is with this team. You know, I keep talking about it on the podcast. Yes, I get it. They were really good in March where I think they went 9, 10 games in a row without giving up a power play goal. But so far in April, they've reverted back to the old ways and the old habits that were plaguing them earlier on in the season, or honestly for most of the season before that 9-10 game stretch. And it's a really tough watch overall. I mean, like I said, there's just a lot of puck watching, the letting players stand in front of the net with no care in the world. DeSmith can't even see the puck a lot of times. The, the movement that these teams are putting on the Penguins, like I said, it, it's a clinic, and they're not even getting it to any loose pucks. Like I said, the Penguins did not have a single clear in those two minutes during the second period when the Devils were on the power play threatening. I was honestly pretty surprised that the Devils did not score on that power play because I think they had three to four high danger chances that I counted just from watching it. So, you know, I'm glad the Penguins survived that, but still, a lot of work needs to be done with the Penguins' penalty kill. It is not up to par, and it really has not been um, for any of the season except for the 9-10 games. Um, overall, for Casey DeSmith, I thought it was a strong performance from him. I know he was left out to dry by a couple of the Devil's goals, you know, namely the Crystal Tang one, which bounced off his skate and went top shelf, and then the Brian Dumoulin one, when he basically just shot the puck on net. So both Penguin defensemen scored tonight. I mean, Brian Dumoulin honestly had two goals tonight, one on his own team and one for his team, and then Latang also had a goal, but except it went in his own net. So three goals combined for the top pairing of the Penguins, even though two of them were not so friendly. But overall, I liked his game and that save that he made, I, 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 know, I think it was on Jack Hughes um, to basically just swing the blocker out and that was going top shelf. I mean, that's probably a top five save of the year at this point. What what a job DeSmith did on that. If that's Jari in net, he probably doesn't make that save. Hell, if it's almost any goalie in the league with that, I'm not even sure if they get that stick paddle on that. What a save that was by DeSmith. And, you know, I think I've seen more people talking about it recently with how both goaltenders have mostly played really well these last six to seven weeks. Who are you going to start in game one in the playoffs? I know I said this week I would go Tristan Jari just because I think he's the more experienced goaltender and he played really well in the one playoff game that we saw him do in the return to play in 2020. But if they did go to Smith, it probably should not be too surprising to Penguins fans. I, I Like I said, I would disagree with it, but I also wouldn't particularly mind it just because of how he's played this year. And I think both goalies give this team a very high chance of winning no matter what. Like I said, my opinion in stance is still that Tristan Jari should be the playoff starter, but if he does falter in a game, if he does start, they most likely will go to Casey DeSmith for that next game just because of how good he's been this year as well. I know DeSmith has no Stanley Cup playoff experience, but I mean, neither did Matt Murray when he came in and started Game 3 of the 2016 Eastern Conference quarterfinals in Madison Square Garden. He went on, I believe, to only allow, what, one goal in that game, and then in Game 4, they basically shut them out, and then in Game 5, he shuts the door on the Rangers in that series. I know they allow three goals, but still, basically four goals combined in three games, and then, you know, we all know what happens next with Washington, Tampa Bay, and San Jose. So, yes, I get it. It is a bit nerve-wracking to have a goalie go in there who's never started a Stanley Cup playoff game, but we've seen this happen before. I mean, Tristan Jari only has one Stanley Cup playoff game to his resume, so it's not even a big of a difference, but like I that I would still go Jari because he has a bit more pedigree, but I also would not particularly be too upset if they did go to DeSmith. And honestly, it could come down to who is playing better 
at that time in four to five weeks when this team eventually does make the playoffs and when the playoffs eventually start. I'm going to be really curious to see what Mike Sullivan does there. I think on Sunday you're going to see him start Tristan Jari because usually um, when there's not a back-to-back, he goes with Jari. And then when there is back-to-backs, he goes with DeSmith. So that's what I think is going to happen with the goaltending tandem moving forward. And then on Thursday at home against Philadelphia, I think that he's probably going to go with Jari there as well. And then I think they do have a back-to-back with Buffalo um, late next weekend, if I'm not mistaken. That'll be another opportunity where it'll go Jari and then to Smith. And yes, they have Buffalo on the 17th in Buffalo at 3 p.m. And then they have another game against Buffalo on the 18th, 3 p.m. Eastern start as well. So again, for everyone, I'm going to say this one more time. I think Jari for the next two games, honestly, Jari for the next three games, and then to Smith will get one on the 18th. But I also think the schedule really favors both goalies down the stretch, where if you start them in almost any one of their games, they're both going to give them basically an equal chance of winning these games. So it's really nice when you have not one, but two goaltenders playing at a very elite level right now. Those two games in the past, yes, they have been, but they have not been the norm for the last seven to eight weeks. And like I said, I highly doubted that was going to continue, and so far it has not. Let's see here. Anyways, I'm trying to think of other takeaways from this game. I mean, there really weren't many other takeaways, I guess, you know, aside from Jared McCann staying on the top power play, Casey DeSmith continuing his very strong play, Penguins finally getting another win in Newark, getting to 2-2 two and two overall on the season with New Jersey, getting to within two points of the East Division. And it was nice that the Rangers were able to help him out in crushing the Islanders for the one, even though the Rangers are not going to get any closer to a playoff spot with that win. I mean, as each passing day goes, I still get less convinced that Ron Hextall and Brian Burke are going to make a trade. There's still only three days left. When you all probably listen to this, it's probably going to be two days left until the trade deadline. I believe it's, what, 3, 4 o'clock on Monday. So they'll have one more game to watch before they have to make their final call on whether or not they want to make a move to bolster this team. I still am of the opinion that they should and that they should go out and get another center or a winger. But if they do stand pat at the deadline, I wouldn't mind it because I really like the depth from this team as of late. You know, it's awesome that some of the not so good players have started to trickle onto the score sheet more, like a Mark Jankowski, who has, like I said, six 5v5 points since Malkin went down. Colton Sear getting his third goal of the season. Redeem Zahorna, basically a point per game player right now. For the Penguins, Freddie Goudreau continuing to kill it in the faceoff dot and looking really good in the offensive zone again tonight. I mean, he just continues to impress. He should not see the bench again until this team is fully healthy with a potential trade. Or honestly, you know, if they never get healthy, like I said, he never should see the bench again. So I continue to be amazed with his play as well. And that is now wins in eight of the last 11 games for Pittsburgh. They just continue to crush it with Evgeny Malkin being out. He's continuing to skate, so he's making more progress. And hopefully more reinforcements should be on the way with Teddy Bluecker potentially coming back on Sunday. Maybe we'll cross our fingers. And then potentially in a couple of weeks, Evgeny Malkin coming back from his injury. We still have to have him back at practice because we have not seen him back there yet. And then Brandon Tanev and Kisbury Captain are also still out with injuries. But that'll do it for this segment of the Locked On Penguins podcast. Coming up in the next segment, we're going to go around the league a little bit, talking about some trades that we saw today while also doing a couple listener takeaways. So don't go anywhere. But before we do that, it is time to talk about 
Built Bar, it is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. 18 amazing flavors, six new ones, cookies and cream, caramel brownie, carrot cake, apple, almond crisp. We still have the raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, etc., etc. They are covered in 100% chocolate. They are also soft and easy to chew. Another one of my favorites is the peanut butter one. 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. You can go to BuiltBar.com right now and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. That is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow this show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So, so a couple trades around the league today. The Maple Leafs acquired Riley Nash from the Blue Jackets. I thought he was basically out for the season, but I think it's only four to six weeks that he's out for. They basically, I think the Leafs gave up like a conditional seventh round pick in next year's draft. So basically nothing to get him. And I think they're also going to put him on LTIR so they can use some cap space to potentially go after someone. You know, hint, hint, Taylor Hall. I'm still not done listening to Elliot Freeman's 31 thoughts. I want to see what he has to say on the Hall situation and some other stuff as the deadline, like I said, is three days away. Um, Avalanche acquired... Uh, depth defenseman uh, Patrick Nemeth from the Red Wings for a pick. Um, it's not surprising that the Red Wings are, are starting to sell off some of their pieces. Um, I'm curious to see if anyone wants Bobby Ryan. And they also do have a couple of other players that are free agents after the season that they probably are going to sell off by the time the deadline rolls around. Usually Steve Eiserman will try to get you know at least a third or fourth round pick for some of those players. But that was it today in terms of trades. I know it's been a bit of a dud of a deadline so far, obvious reasons, COVID-19, but we'll see if we see some action tomorrow. Sunday, I think you'll see a trade or two. Then Monday, you know, it's going to be the busiest day, but, you know, definitely not the busiest deadline that we've seen in recent years. That's for sure. As for some listener takeaways, we really only have one tonight, and that comes from Alan Toyota. I understand people are doing stuff on Friday nights, so, you know, sometimes people miss the games or they're not checking Twitter during the games. Allen says, depth scoring the last few games is a good sign for me. To Smith, wow, I don't blame him for a lot of those goals, but still should not give up four. I agree with you, Allen. You know, he should not be giving up four goals in a game. But like I said, I mean, two of the goals were literally own goals from Crystal Tang and Brian Jumlin. And then the one that Miles Wood scored to open the scoring, um, I honestly don't even think that should have counted because I think he kind of bulldozed into the Smith, if I'm not mistaken, after watching that a couple times. Um, the Penguins honestly should have challenged that for goalie interference, and I really don't know why they didn't. And then the other one, I guess, was just whatever. He also says, one more game, then we have a brief break, which should be really nice and well-earned. Yes, Alan, you are correct. They will. Penguins will be done with a stretch of playing four games in six nights, and then they will have Monday off, Tuesday off, Wednesday off, and then they will play Philadelphia on Thursday for the final time at PPG Paints Arena this season and uh, one of the final times overall this season as, you know, it's very unlikely that the Flyers make the playoffs as of right now. But, yes, all good observations, Alan. So thank you so much for sending those in. Final thoughts to wrap this one up. Absolutely love the depth scoring for Pittsburgh. I've said it about probably three to four times already. I love that some of the not-so-good players that we've harped on this season are starting to contribute a bit more to the score sheet. That's definitely showing Ron Hextall that he likes his depth, and if he doesn't want to make a move, it makes sense just because of how the depth is playing this year. I think Adam Gretz had a very interesting tweet um, right after the game that just shows how good the Penguins' depth has been this season. If I can just get to the tweet here, I know this is probably... Terrible radio here. Um, this is the tweet. With neither Sidney Crosby or Evgeny Malkin on the ice this season, the Penguins have a plus seven goal differential at 5v5. How, here's how that compares to previous years. 
2014 was minus 18, and the fact that that team was one win away from going to the Eastern Conference Final just blows my mind and shows should show to everyone that Crosby and Malkin can carry a bunch of corpses um, outside of Chris Letang to almost a Eastern Conference Final. 2015 was minus 9, 2016 was plus 8, 2017 minus 3, 2018 was minus 15. I mean, they were also kind of gassed that year. 2019 minus 4 and 2020 minus 2. So, yes, the depth is playing a hell of a lot better this year than it was last year. And like I said, kudos to players like Mark Jankowski. Hell, I'll even throw Sam Lafferty in there. I thought he played much better tonight, and he probably should have had at least a goal. I mean, he, Mackenzie Blackwood robbed him point blank, um, not once but twice on a sequence, I think, in the second period. He was set up for like a kind of a half slapper 15 feet from the net, which he gloved, but then the puck kind of squirted out. And then he got basically five feet from him, and then he gloved that, and it was just like, wow, what a save it was from him. And, you know, Blackwood honestly played as well as he did. I mean, that save on the three-on-one from McCann was just otherworldly. You know, I have no idea how he saved that. And it's just goes to show that every time the Penguins play the Devils, especially in Newark, you know, they're basically playing Marty Broder, even though Marty Broder retired all those years ago. So it's just like every devil's goalie from in recent years just kind of plays like God against the Penguins for whatever reason. But that'll do it for this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I hope you all enjoy this one. Hope you all have a great, great weekend. Like I said, the Penguins will play again on Sunday. That is a 7 p.m. Eastern start. I do not believe that game is nationally televised. As for the podcast moving forward, I will have an episode, you know, Monday through Friday next week. As for Monday with trade deadline, I'll have an episode breaking down the game against the Devils from Sunday, but also breaking down any trade that's made during the day. So look for that episode to be up after 4 o'clock. Because, you know, sometimes some GMs like to wait until the full deadline to make moves. We've seen Jim Rutherford do that before, you know, especially with acquiring someone like Eric Goodbranson in a couple hours. I think last year, you know, he waited until the last minute to get Evan Rodriguez and Connor Sherry for Dominic Kuhn. I think that was basically done right with 10 minutes to go. So we'll see what happens with that. And then Tuesday through Friday, it'll just be normal episodes with the podcast. So again, thank you all so much for listening. I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. And we'll see if the Penguins can go for three in a row on Sunday when they take on the Devils for the final time in Newark. I'll talk to you on Monday.